Okay, we're back. So thank you for being here. I hope everybody is well and um, <laughs> working with the catalyst as uh, is the great work of uh, 3D incarnation, particularly today. Uh, Sutta Nipata, episode 36, uh, Padana Sutta, episode 4. Uh, we've moved on from Padana Sutta to Padana effort and from Padana to the seven factors of enlightenment and from that to the 37 factors um, that conduce to awakening. And today I'm going to focus on some of those sets, the seven sets of 37 qualities. So Sutta Nipata starting Padana Sutta. Again, what we saw was Gautama um, in the phase of ascetic um, asceticism, uh, sitting in meditation, seeking uh, insight and awakening and release, uh, confronted by so-called ten armies of Mara, uh, and then uh, speaking his uh, strength and uh, how he overcame uh, these armies. Uh, there, there's, there's some guiding principles here. Um, once upon a time I read um, some Western synopsis of Buddhism, uh, something like, uh, do all that is good, avoid all that is evil. Um, and we can also say, release what's, all, what's unnecessary. And <clears throat> that, that's very much um, mental culture, the development of wholesome qualities, counteracting unwholesome, uh, developing all that's good, and avoiding all that is harmful, harmful to self and other. And then release all that is unnecessary, continues evolving over time, completely in line with Nichinanda's teaching, core teaching of detachment, vairagya, renunciation, which is the release of patterns of mind and behavior and activities and desires that over time we find are unnecessary or are harmful, unhelpful, uh, in accord with mm, fulfilling obligations, certainly um, the obligations of um, the non-monastic is to self and family and um, continuing to take care of uh, whatever seems, whatever the situations that we've created for ourselves, and particularly in relationships, this is sort of the layman's work along, or the non-monastic work of fulfilling interpersonal relationship, home and friends and family, particularly really, uh, responsibilities, while we still do develop positive qualities and release what's unnecessary. Uh, the <clears throat> and, and then for the monastic, um, the releasing of, of the unhelpful or harmful leads to ultimately a releasing of um, more subtle qualities like the ten fetters that uh, are broken along the path to uh, complete and perfect enlightenment. Uh, it is an, a more subtle form of releasing or renunciation and leading to the final releasing, which is um, 
the release from ignorance or vidya, tenth fetter, uh, which changes everything. And so, in the Padana Sutta, uh, I don't want to read it again, but we've got the contrast between uh, Gautama's uh, strong establishment uh, of positive qualities versus these ten armies or uh, unhelpful, uh, distorted ways of mind and living that limit us. From the sutta, the only two things I'd like to pull out for today, Gautama at the start addressing Mara said, in me are conviction, austerity, persistence, discernment. Conviction, austerity, persistence, discernment. Conviction is um, freedom from doubt and faith, or it is faith and knowing um, that um, is the fruit of um, no longer doubting. Austerity is a, a deep commitment to releasing the unnecessary. Persistence is energy and will uh, to continue along the path or continue <clears throat> the ways we know are to our long-term welfare and benefit that are helpful. And discernment is to know um, what is helpful and what is unhelpful and um, where I am or, or how, it, how I may continue uh, positive development. These ten armies as um, sort of a, an, a mythologizing, anthropomorphizing even, <clears throat> of uh, harmful tendencies or attachments. Uh, the ten, from the combination of Tanisaro's translation and Mingun Sayadaw's write-up, go from uh, sensual passions <clears throat> at the start, which are also attachment, and we can see that this is progressive, for sure. Like the Ten Fetters, similar, but not the same. A progressive releasing. Sensual attachment, uh, very much, not just associated with physical pleasure or physical conditions, but relational. Um, <clears throat> like, I don't need to be number one, <laughs> or um, I don't need everyone to like me or I'm okay to uh, go my own way uh, unrecognized, or I'm okay um, without getting these things I thought I needed. Having left that, one may have some discontent, the second army, discontent as aversion and dissatisfaction uh, at the relative renunciation that we may have already made. The third, hunger and thirst, is back to physical. Uh, as I said, the deficiencies um, getting, getting defeated by uh, <clears throat> discouragement at the deficiencies of a somewhat solitary, renounced, detached position. The fourth, craving. Now, there are many types of craving. Uh, here we've got basically the craving of... Um, a jealousy, even, <clears throat> and a weariness, uh, moving, uh, craving and weariness. Uh, they're translated differently from uh, Tanisaro and Mingun Sayadaw. Mm. 
mm, I would say that the, in the greater <clears throat> in in the position when we have renounced somewhat um, all sorts of different conditions <laughs> arise in mind uh, weariness as well as uh, a longing for an imagined happiness that we think we used to have <clears throat> fifth sloth and drowsiness or sloth and torpor uh, not just physical but a discouragement or even a depression fifth or sixth <clears throat> as fear or terror uh, a fear that uh, no I know I'm on the right way I know that my detachment is right meaning I really don't need those things that I've dropped already uh, but now I don't know where I'm going or I don't know if I can make it seven as doubt which comes related to that also translated as uncertainty uh, am I on the right way and we we'll look at that later also today <clears throat> the eighth being uh, translated as hypocrisy and stubbornness by Tanisaro also arrogance and haughtiness uh, from Mingun Mingun Sayadaw uh, <clears throat> when one gets beyond fear, gets beyond doubt, uh, I know that this way is the right way. There can be this sense of superiority. That's pretty common uh, for those who have some um, wellness or, or certainty that this way is right. There's a sense of um, I'm better than you or my way and I am superior. <clears throat> and then the, the write-up of that eighth army from Mingun saying, as arrogance and haughtiness sets in, they do not accord others their rightful place, they destroy their good reputation, they give no respect to their elders, they display overbearingness to them. And I mentioned last time this the value of this according others their rightful place. Uh, others have their own path. And uh, like like the raw material is raw recognized is not useful for most people uh, we may feel it's superior to some other source and from a perspective of um, how much of the path from the base to the summit of the mountain does this teaching portray does it present yeah sure some teachings uh, give uh, a much um, more complete uh, explanation of the entirety of spiritual path from the base to the summit and some do not and some explain the intricacies of creation better than others yeah and everybody has their own view right so the Mormons and the Scientologists have their own cosmology um, is it the same is, is it equally good well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a matter of view. I wouldn't think so, but they like what they're doing. Okay. So it's a matter of according others their rightful place is, is uh, a great <laughs> learning we could make here on Earth. Uh, we may say these are 3D repeaters who uh, have a lot of distortion. They may think we're crazy. <laughs> uh, a psychiatrist may say you're delusional. Uh, on the other hand, there's no proof either way that their position or ours is correct. 
there's consequences of application, like how do we apply our view in practice or the teachings of PATH applied personally. We find what we consider beneficial consequences and we say, well, then it's right and good. Well, it's right and good for us. It's not necessarily right and good for others. Uh, that's exactly where it comes back to Ross saying, uh, understanding is not of your density. In some sense, it's actually impossible um, to make any kind of proof that any kind of teaching is more complete, finer, less distorted than any other. It's just, you know, the Scientologist and the Mormon, <laughs> the fundamentalist Christian and the Jihadi will say, these teachings are right and good and true and better than yours because I use them and I feel better. Okay. What do you do with that? Do nothing. I couldn't do anything with that. All right. So it, so be it. More power to you. And um, on the other side, you'll see. Ninth uh, army, craving and conceit, but particularly pride at greater development and then acclaim. And... Tanisaro wrote it up as gains, offerings, fame, and status wrongly gained. Um, it may even be rightly gained. <laughs> and then uh, one gets stuck in haughtiness and arrogance. Tana mana, which is very interesting. Craving, conceit. The, cr the conceit of craving, but particularly a craving to uh, develop conceit, to, to maintain conceit which uh, has some basis realistically in that uh, lots of people at that in the ninth fetter in the ninth army lots of uh, one does indeed have some fame and fortune uh, either rightly or wrongly acquired uh, but then gets stuck there and then finally the tenth army uh, Tanasaro saying whoever would praise self and disparage others but actually, the write-up from Mingan is a little more detailed. Self-praise and honor. I no longer care about uh, uh, fame and fortune from you, uh, akin to upper 5D negative. Uh, as Orion said, they no longer find any virtue in others. Virtue as the Chinese being power, no longer on the negative path, finding any value in taking others' power in and therefore they drop, they leave the Orion Federation and go their own way in the caves of upper 5D negative. In this case, it's akin to that uh, upper 5D positive or um, high, some real development, and um, one is detached from needing fame and fortune associated or tied to others, but still has some arrogance and haughtiness quite deeply internal. <laughs> And that's why uh, eighth fetter is uh, broken only by the arahan and uh, pride and this conceit like the ninth army. Uh, the ninth and tenth armies very much akin to the um, eighth fetter conceit. Uh, it doesn't depend on others, uh, but the person's still um, making a big deal out of themselves. And ultimately, one needs to get beyond that too. And now, <clears throat> the Padana Sutta, uh, from the word Padana, meaning effort or exertion, traditionally there are four 
types of um, right efforts. And this is again where we come back to the the kind of pith um, synopsis of Buddhism as uh, cultivate what is good and uh, renounce what is harmful or evil, uh, cultivate what is wholesome and helpful, and drop what is harmful and distorted in, in relation to its consequences on self and other. The fort uh, on the page of uh, Bodhi Pakyadama the uh, enlightenment related factors seven sets uh, that are wholesome qualities and path factors towards enlightenment uh, the four forms of padana were right in there and so we talked about that a while ago exertion for preventing unskillful states to arise exertion for abandoning already arisen unskillful states uh, and then the positive exertion for the arising of skillful states and exertion for sustaining and increasing already arisen skillful states. It just means that uh, we avoid what we know will will get us into trouble. <laughs> we avoid what what will hurt us and others. And when we find ourselves then already in, let's say, emotionally charged reactivity, uh, we know that that's not helpful. That comes from mindfulness and discernment. And by knowing it's not helpful in the moment, we have some way of working with it. And that's where we talked last time about seven factors of awakening. So seven factors of awakening as a portion or a, a teaching on the work of the second of the right exertions, abandoning already arisen unskillful states. Uh, and that <laughs> this is all very complicated, right? So, <clears throat> of these seven factors of awakening, um, what you've got is uh, three that pertain uh, to low energy conditions of mind or body, mind body. Three that pertain to excessive energy conditions of mind body, and the balancing factor called mindfulness. And so. In the low energy condition, um, working with the already arisen unskillful sloth and torpor, one of the armies of Mara, um, <clears throat> the the three are investigation, joy or rapture, or investigation, energy and joy or rapture, and it really means when we realize uh, we're in a distorted emotional condition, or we're in any kind of body-mind um, harmful state. By mindfulness, we recognize that. By wisdom, we recognize that we can get ourselves out of it or change the mind. So in the macro, there's that teaching, if you want to change your life, change your mind. If you want to change your life, change your mind. By knowing that the mind... Um, we've created these conditions of mind and we can change them. We can uncreate and generate other. Uh, we went through this last time. So, investigation, energy, joy or rapture as these as three of these seven factors when we're stuck, particularly, I would say, in uh, grief, sorrow, self-pity, uh, and even fear. 
uh, look into it, which is investigation, again, how it's applied in meditation towards enlightenment, how it's applied, these seven factors applied, to um, psychological self-healing and balance is similar. Not the same, but similar. So I'm bringing the the um, the teachings from Buddhism that are particularly associated with movement to a, a complete and perfect enlightenment to uh, the practical work of dealing with mind or mind-body as we go through daily life. Uh, not necessarily sitting in meditation <laughs> as we don't. So we walk around and we have interaction and we get triggered or we find ourselves stuck and so there's the bipolarity of low energy or depressive affect and high energy or manic or excessive and here it's called restlessness and worry so from the low we look into it with investigation we put some energy into self-understanding or seeing it through uh, which is bringing acceptance and understanding, right? Know yourself, accept yourself. So the work of know yourself, accept yourself starts with mindfulness and then in the, the simple, simple conditions where there's a low energy or high energy mind-body state uh, detected or in play, uh, the seven factors are useful. In the high energy state, which is more associated with, uh, here it said restlessness and worry, but you can also say anger and um, irritability and frustratedness, right? Sourpuss mind. Uh, the three are relaxation, concentration, and equanimity. And uh, we go from upset to at peace. We, we make that kind of transit. And... <clears throat> Uh, it first begins with, uh, like, take a breath, right? They say, take a time out, take a breath, take a step back, um, put your hands down, close your mouth. Uh, when we're in uh, an upset mind condition, it's good to take a, take a pause, to put, put the pa <laughs> press the pause button. Uh, and that's very much associated with relaxation. And then concentration is further, of course, you know, not only samadhi, as it's written here, for meditation, but in daily life, um, like Ra had said, uh, when one finds impatience, find the corresponding patience. Very much um, in line with this teaching of the seven factors of awakening applied to healing and balance. When one's in the high state, uh, recognize that there is a counterbalancing uh, condition of mind or way of directing mind that can be applied in the moment. And so from impatience or restlessness and worry or high ex excessive mental body, body-mind states, uh, it's good to take a pause. <laughs> That's relaxation. And, um, you know, take a chill pill, as they say. So that's a common crude expression of uh, the the some of the work associated with the balancing factors uh, for excessive energy states, excessive mind body states. Uh, that you know Buddhism understood uh, twenty five hundred years ago, and so uh, 
this these seven factors with mindfulness always critical. Uh, the Wikipedia write-up said in, in meditation, and I would say in daily life, everyone most likely experiences um, the various five hindrances. So these are against the five hindrances. <clears throat> the five hindrances are called sensual pleasure, ill will or anger, sloth, torpor, restlessness, worry, and then doubt. Right. So very similar to some of the ten armies of Mara. Sensual pleasure number one. Ill will is related to uh, two, and sloth, torpor, restless, restlessness, worry, doubt, also related to other of these armies of Mara. And so the five hindrances are essentially um, a, a broad stroke understanding of the categories of distortion that we need to that we need to work with that uh, that demand healing and balance and there are the various ways of, of working with them so then uh, understanding the four right exertions where the second is associated with abandoning already arisen unskillful states that's where healing and balance comes in then <clears throat> three is exertion for arising of skillful states and then fourth is sustaining and increasing the wholesome or the already arisen skillful states. Then we get to the five, two of the sets that are of, of five spiritual faculties or five strengths. They're the same. Pancha, meaning five, pancha indriya, the five uh, powers or possessions or ways of indra, Panchabala, five powers, five strengths. They're the same. These are <clears throat> um, also core wholesome states or mind conditions that we can seek and we can cultivate. Seek uh, as well as seek to increase. So there you've got uh, the third and the fourth aspect. The third and the fourth right padana, samapadana uh, types. <clears throat> Exerting exertion, padana, effort for arising or generating what's skillful, then padana or effort exertion to keep them going and cultivate them or, or you know, cultivate could be keep going or cultivate could be grow uh, to develop what we know is helpful. And that's particularly uh, I think these five spiritual faculties or strengths. Interestingly, Gautama uh, on the Wikipedia page on the Indriya, five Pancha Indriya, uh, there is a little section. Wikipedia is not so bad. It misses a lot, but it brings a lot, I thought, too, I've, I think, as well. <clears throat> a section called Relation to the Five Powers. So what's the relation between so-called five faculties and five powers, which happen to be the same? <laughs> In uh, Sutta, Gautama declares that the five spiritual faculties are the five powers, and vice versa. Okay, that's true. Uses the metaphor of a stream passing by a midstream island. The island creates two streams, but the streams can also be seen as one and the same. And that's, uh, of course, right? There's an island in a stream there are two currents on uh, there's a current on either side that appears to be two streams but actually it's one 
So the Pali commentaries, right, back to Abhi, this is all Abhidhamma, remark that these five qualities are faculties when used to control their spheres of influence and then are powers when unshakable by opposing forces. So along the way they're called faculties. When highly developed, they're called powers, but they are the same. And they, to me, are the heart, um, some of the heart, of, of uh, the right effort to acquire and then develop wholesome tendencies. Right? So the five spiritual pancha indriya or pancha bala are these five conviction, energy, mindfulness, concentration, unification, and wisdom. Right? So shraddha, sada, virya energy, sati, mindfulness, samadhi, concentration, which is particularly in meditation, <clears throat> and then panya, prajna, or wisdom, discernment. And you can see right from uh, Gautama's initial comment to Mara, uh, he's got this too. <laughs> he's got conviction, no more doubt, uh, persistence, uh, energy, uh, austerity, he's dropped what's needed to be dropped, and in fact, you don't see austerity or renunciation in this list of five faculties and strengths because uh, one needs right renunciation or uh, to have well developed the first two of the right efforts or you know right effort samapadana those of um, avoiding what's harmful and being able to drop or see through or make healing and balance when we're already in the harmful in mind body or in activity life activity or dynamics of a relationship one needs to have well developed those uh, avoidances and um, releasings uh, detachment right vairagya to then be able to develop the five powers or faculties and that's why they're not in the list. <laughs> these these are critical um, mind powers, faculties, uh, abilities, ways uh, of. Um, I I would say they are uh, powers that that take us all the way on the path, and so they're critical. So let me look into them a bit and where faculties, indriya, become powers, bala, uh, let's start on the page in on indriya, and it's actually quite interesting in the section down the page a bit where um, it starts, in the Pali Canon Sutta Pitaka, hey hey, that's what we're doing here, indriya is frequently encountered in the context of five spiritual faculties, that's what we're talking about. And so, the first sraddha, sada, faith or conviction or belief. And as I was saying earlier, uh, when in, initially there's faith uh, over, and and that's associated with belief, like Carl Jung uh, saying, "I don't believe in God. I know God." Uh, faith that supports belief over time, by experience, comes to certainty called conviction. And uh, the uh, Samutta Nikaya 4810 
<laughs> which we'll get to uh, uh, next year if internet's still running. Uh, late in the <laughs> late, far down in the list. Uh, one of several discourses that characterizes these five spiritual faculties in the following manner, and the right up there for faith or for sada, shraddha. I somehow I like shraddha, which is uh, Sanskrit rather than the Pali. Faith, conviction, faith, belief, conviction, right? Uh, is called faith in the Buddha's awakening. Well, it's very much associated with um, faith, belief, and then conviction in uh, Triratna, the three jewels, Triratna jewel, which is Buddha Dhamma Sangha. That is certain only that faith and belief become certainty only at Sotapanna. And that's one of the three fetters broken at Sotapanna, where there's no more doubt. Doubt in uh, Gautama is what he says he is. His path is as he said it, it is, meaning it leads from suffering to freedom from suffering, or from um, ignorance to um, freedom. Uh, and the Sangha is a, a good place to do it, or is valuable for that work. This, um, uh, and any kind of doubt in Buddhism, we can also say any kind of doubt uh, at all, uh, particularly in spirit in any form of spiritual teaching, right, goes away with time, right? Like me, Mr. Scott, saying self with a capital S and no self called anatta are the same. How do I know that? Some Buddhists will say you're wrong. Some Hindus will say you're wrong. Hmm, but I think they're wrong. Okay, why? Because I have some conviction. How? Well, either by <laughs> rightfully understood experience or my delusion. Take your choice. So it seems to me, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> um, Hindu, Advaita Vedanta, Mukti, Moksha, which they can call Supreme Self or Paramatman, right? Supreme Atman or uh, union with uh, of Jivatman and Paramatman, or Satchitananda, which Ramana Maharshi and many Hindu Advaita Vedanta teachers would call self-realization. Hey, hey, Paramahansa Yogananda, self-realization fellowship. That that self with a capital S is the same as Anatta. Um, there are people who understand that, and there are people who say, you're totally wrong. Gotcha. No problem. And so... You don't think so? I think so. Uh, I feel I have conviction in that. You may say I'm wrong. Okie dokie. There you go. So that's the first. <laughs> Faith conviction. Critical. Second is energy or persistence or perseverance, right? There are multiple translations from any word that's virya, also called strength or power or will. Here it's translated as energy, persistence, perseverance, also explained as exertion towards the four right efforts. Hey, hey, what exertion towards what? Right? Energy or persistence and perseverance in what? In path. What is path? Well, path is the four right efforts. Not only, but particularly. <laughs> and so Panchashila, right? The five Shila, or Dasasila, ten Shila. Uh, <clears throat> are very much associated with um, the first and second uh, forms of uh, samapadana or right effort. 
right? Dropping, uh, uh, avoiding, and then dropping unwholesome, unskillful, harmful, distorted states of my body, right? Avoiding, killing, hurting, lying, cheating, which is lying or wrong speech, uh, stealing, uh, harming of self and other by uh, intoxicants, drugs, or sexually, right? This is Panchashila. And then there are ten. So avoiding, following those um, regulations, those uh, suggestions, <laughs> and avoiding—it's like the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, in their in their true nature, rather than a, in a commanding, dominating way, the uh, spirit behind the teaching, not the letter of the law, the spirit of the law, is of the first two forms of right effort, samapadana. Which is where we should what which is the the goal or or the object to which we um, we maintain energy and persistence and perseverance towards avoiding what's harmful and um, moving out of what's harmful when we're already uh, caught by it. <clears throat> and so that's what energy and persistence is about: is persistence in avoiding what we ought to avoid and moving out of what we ought to move out of and also continuing on the path and that's you know moving through the higher levels or keeping mindfulness and uh, moving from Shila to Samadhi and Prajna. The third is mindfulness. It's interesting that they somebody they translated here as memory. It's not memory. <laughs> it's uh, attentiveness. Non-grasping attentiveness as far as I know. And so it's also uh, written here as focusing on the four satipatthana. This is now a whole nother story, and uh, satipatthana is critical. <laughs> These are the four establishments or, of mindfulness, also called four foundations or four presences. It's a nice term. There's also, you know, monks, real hardcore Buddhist monks and scholars disagree all the time on translations of particular Pali and Sanskrit words, and not only that, the meaning and application of all these teachings. They disagree all the time. Major, some, usually not in a major way, but in a minor way, all the time. So some call it foundations, some will argue it's presences, some will say it's establishings of mindfulness. And that means mindfulness directed where? Basically directed to mind and body, to body-mind. So the first two is mindfulness of body, mindfulness of feelings, right? Sensations arisen in body, the second of the five skandhas. Or mindfulness of mental states, and then it's translated as mindfulness of mental qualities, but it's really mindfulness of dharmas or dhammas, and then there's lots of disagreement within the Buddhist scholar and monk scholar community. Uh, what does uh, mindfulness of dhammas mean? <laughs> but certainly we're talking about mindfulness of, um, I would say, the body moving through space in daily life. I raise my hand, I put my hand down, right? When you're eating, be conscious of lifting the bowl and putting it in your mouth and using every body motion, body sitting, standing, walking, lying down as um, uh, object of mindfulness of body. Then there's sensations in the body like uh, pain in my gut from food or a uh, heartache from 
grief or emotional loss or, or disappointment or somebody angry at you. Um, sensations. And mindfulness, again, is non-grasping attentiveness, which means just be aware of it. Um, there's a value to uh, investigation. Uh, there's a value to sitting with it without investigation, letting it, letting it pass away. Right? That's seeing it through or seeing through it. <clears throat> there's, there's a time for thinking. There's um, a value to just watching without thinking. Uh, but understanding is important. <laughs> so uh, it is important to uh, be able to think clearly and to be able to cognize or conceptualize um, mind-body experience, for sure. And that's a kind of psychological self-awareness, right? Know yourself. Accept yourself. Be honest with yourself. <clears throat> that's associated not only with mindfulness of body and feelings, but also mind. And so mindfulness of the mind <laughs> is particularly experienced in meditation and so we watch this arising and this passing away uh, and may not <clears throat> choose to mm, conceptually investigate or investigate by concept or so-called self-analysis uh, but anything that arises in mind can be uh, a suitable subject or object of mindfulness and dhammas is really everything, and so inner and outer. <clears throat> but this is—I um, was looking at pure dhamma. I don't want to get distracted into this, but on a page, on a page from puredhamma.net, the Sri Lankan that we looked into long, long ago, very deep analysis of Abhidhamma from the Sri Lankan tradition. Uh, I don't know if I sent the link, but I can send it later. Uh, there's a page called What Do All These Different Meditation Techniques Mean? And he goes through three main ways of um, developing um, freedom from <laughs> anicca nata dukkha, <clears throat> freedom from illusion, freedom from harmful ways, and greater release. Uh, one is anapanasati. Two is metta bhavana, or metta meditation, ten directional metta sending. Mm-hmm. That's a core practice. And the third is the four foundations of mindfulness. And he actually said the last and third way to purify the mind is via anupassana. Anupassana, <clears throat> he wrote up as discard according to the principles learned. And also uh, uh, according to seeing or defilements. So discard defilements according to principles that we've learned and clear seeing. <laughs> and saying that anapanasati bhavana, or cultivation of breath meditation, is the foundation. One needs to then, he's, he's very <laughs> advanced here, said once ana and apana are sorted out by vipassana, then one needs to engage in anapanasati all the time. <clears throat> the high, the hardcore monks, the, the, the monks that, that I've seen that I can I mean, these guys are not maybe finished yet, or I don't know, they're way above me. But they're always watching breath, or they're always... Uh, Weibu Sayadaw talked about that. Xuan uh, Hua and the City of 10,000 Buddhas, they're, they're always collected. Attention, attentiveness, always collected. Meaning always mindful, walking around. You really have to be a monastic for that in general, because 
otherwise um, ordinary folks, not monastics, we have complicated dynamics in play. Their life is a little bit simpler, or much simpler. So, but he's giving going to a much deeper understanding of ana and apana, not just in breath, out breath, but uh, the very flow of phenomena and experience inward and outward. The 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 distinction between uh, inner and expression, <laughs> between mind body experience and the expression of mind body experience, and then he's talking about one needs to be mindful of what one is about to do and make sure it is a, quote, right thing to do. But he said that satipatthana bhavana, which is the four foundations of mindfulness, uh, includes all the bhavana techniques discussed so far. It is the, he said, the, capital T-H-E, the ultimate encompassing, ultimate practice, encompassing everything needed to attain stress relief. Stress relief means freedom from dukkha. It's not uh, like take a pill. So he calls this the ultimate encompassing bhavana or practice or way that um, takes that can take one all to arahanthood. And there is a passage somewhere, but I couldn't find it, where Gautama said something like, "If one could maintain perfect mindfulness of body and feelings, mental states and dhammas uh, for seven days straight, one would attain uh, arahant in seven days." And that's seven, seven phases, and that's very much like seven chakras. So uh, a full, uh, full cycle uh, of so-called time uh, with perfect mindfulness of body and feelings in body and mental states and all dhammas, which means really much everything. If one could have such perfect detached mindfulness non-grasping for one week, one would achieve arahan just like that, and that's similar to what the Sri Lankan is saying on PureDhamma.net. How uh, the four foundations or presences of mindfulness uh, are is the final practice after satipana, <laughs> actually, and including with with uh, continued anapanasati and metta bhavana, meaning loving kindness radiation, ten directional radiation. So. These are uh, core practices. <laughs> uh, let it be known. Anapanasati and metta, radiation, ten-directional metta, bhavana, and the four foundations or uh, establishments of mindfulness. Body and sensations in body, mind, and all, um, all phenomena, inner, outer, but particularly even subtle mind states and subtle tendencies. So that's <laughs> the four foundations or presences of mindfulness. Those are the three key core practices, according to the Sri Lankan of PureDhamma.net. And along the way, um, the five spiritual faculties become five powers. So back to the page on the five. The third is mindfulness, and back to that was referring to focusing on the four satipatthana. Right? So mindfulness of body movement in, t- in space, particularly um, body motion and body positioning, uh, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, then the sensations in the body as they arise, if there are any, if they're not, it doesn't mean focus on them, but focus on what's arisen, and then mind, mind states, subtle mind dynamics, and all phenomena, ultimately, 
that's where that's <laughs> that Buddhism is a hard hardcore practice, right? We're talking about getting out of the octave in a very short period of time in third density. Nearly nobody even understands what that means, <laughs> right? Nearly nobody in the whole planet knows what I'm talking about, and and um, I have some conviction this is right, and um, okay. <laughs> I'm wrong or I'm right, and it's not even a personal matter. It's a teaching. And so, this is very serious stuff. <laughs> and it's understandable that most people don't want it. So, stillness of mind. Number four is samadhi. Stillness of mind, the fourth uh, faculty or power, samadhi, which is, uh, you know, what where we go also in the seven faculty, the seven powers, all right? moving out of um, high or excessive mind-body states, uh, but, but it really is um, the balanced condition of mind. Here it wrote, stillness of mind re- refers to achieving four jhanas. Well, not only that, of course, and um, one will know one is doing better or well when one experiences equanimity more often. When one I remember I had this experience in meditation decades ago, um, realizing as I stood up as I stood up from the cushion after a period of meditation. Oh, <laughs> the mind that I had sitting on the cushion a moment ago, I still have right now. I, I, I. There's no I, of course, but the relative conceit of the distortion of I had the experience that. I uh, could experience, were, was experiencing the same state of mind that I had a moment ago sitting. Oh, and then it came to me, oh, (laughs) there is no difference. There need not be any division between the mind sitting and the mind standing, walking around and living through, going through daily life. Oh, hmm. Standing up, the mind isn't changed. (laughs) <laughs> okay, and that's some kind of um, breakthrough between samadhi or equanimity in meditation and a kind of relative samadhi, relative equanimity, standing, walking, and going through daily life. Critical. And then number five, wisdom or understanding or comprehension. It's really panya or prajna, which has, again, many translations. So commonly is wisdom um, or discernment. When you get to understanding, it's a little funny because you've got to be careful with translations, as I think everybody knows by now. Samaditi, right view, the first of the Eightfold Noble Path, <laughs> is also translated by some people as right understanding. Eh? No, it's really a view. Now, that's just uh, a teaching, an opinion, a perspective. Uh, if If it's true then it will lead to understanding. But it's not quite the same. Same thing with padnya or prajna. I wouldn't call it understanding. I would call it wisdom. What's the difference between wisdom and understanding? Not so different. (laughs) Um, But wisdom is very much associated with fifth chakra and understanding with fourth chakra. Ross said wisdom, understanding is not of your density. Does that mean wisdom is not of our density? Well, it's of fifth density, okay. But in Buddhism, it's well understood that beings can develop higher density qualities in 3D physical incarnation. I mean, that's the key to the whole path. 
is that you don't need to go up there to have the mind um, that resonates up there, up there so-called, up there meaning higher dimensional. Wisdom in wisdom is, um, I would say, a greater a greater comprehension than uh, pure than simple understanding. Understanding is sort of uh, a heart based uh, acceptance based uh, knowing. Wisdom is a little bit more detached and a little bit more impersonal. It's um, like if I drop a cup, it falls to the ground um, based on laws of gravity in this world. Um, is that knowledge or understanding or wisdom? Well, it could be called all three. Um, to me, um, it's more of... Certainly, it's just a piece of knowledge. It's transient, you can say, but... It's a piece of wisdom. Well, uh, let's just say that wisdom could be defined as that which uh, that which is of uh, of a universal principle. And the uni- there are universal principles uh, that are quite impersonal. Uh, this is not panya as um, awakening, and so panya prajna is used in many ways. Commonly, it's wisdom or discernment. It's commonly associated with insight or realization, but uh, along the way, it's certainly associated with fifth chakra and progressive a progressive development. It's particularly impersonal, and um, it is whether I accept it or not. Um, certainly, acceptance would be needed to get to that um, portion of wisdom. But I think it pertains particularly to principles uh, of of process, process and system oriented principles. Now that's just an arbitrary definition. Fine, <laughs> everything's arbitrary, but meaning, you know, the whole mind is sunya. <laughs> it's all empty. All thought is, is just a raft. It's all dancing thoughts or the illusion of light yeah uh, all we talk about conceptually or all talking is just nama rupa nama rupa is sunya of course and so but in the uh, relative view or the relative truth level um, I would say that wisdom is particularly an understanding uh, a deep broad understanding of systems and their systems and processes and their principles. The principles by which systems uh, uh, experience their process. (laughs) The process by which systems evolve over time. Uh, Particularly of uh, cosmology and spiritual path. The nature, uh, the principles uh, of uh, of self or how we go from illusion to to, to vidya, to knowledge and, and awareness of reality beyond uh, illusion. <laughs> anyway, um, this is progressive for sure. And so as the fifth of the five faculties or powers uh, lauded by the, by the Buddha as conducive to enlightenment, 
they're also uh, deserving of laud or praise uh, as critical faculties and powers for continued soul evolution or evolution of my body spirit however you want to put it so let me um, pull over to the page on the five strengths which we see are the same and then I'll wrap it up today Panchabala as power or strength or force uh, again these five faculties or powers I would say are the heart of the two latter forms of Samapadana or right effort uh, and and because they really um, encompass the whole of the core principles by which we go from here to uh, the end of soul evolution uh, in the exegesis here section it says faith uh, faith and wisdom balance each other as do energy and concentration the five faculties are controlling faculties because they control or master their opposites the faculties and powers right the five these five are two aspects of the same thing that we know right their faculties as as they are developing and they become powers when they're fully developed at least that's one way to look at it faith and conviction controls doubt so the antidote this is very much like when you find impatience find the corresponding patience when you find doubt as an arisen unwholesome state one way to move out of it is to uh, look into faith and conviction or look into faith and and belief when we have doubt, which is inevitable, uh, it's important to keep looking. Uh, is it correct? <laughs> um, investigation, uh, I would say, is needed uh, initially when we recognize doubt. But eventually, doubt will uh, move to faith and belief and conviction. Energy, effort, persistence control laziness, right? Sloth and torpor. And that's, again, gets to uh, three of the seven uh, enlightenment factors right those associated with um, uh, the low deflated energy states of mind body energy effort persistence but obviously it's needed for the entirety of the path mindfulness controls heedlessness <laughs> uh, heedlessness means um, unconsciousness uncarefulness, uh, live in a sloppy life or having a messed up room or um, making trouble where we go. It's the, the pig pen approach to life, walking around with a dust cloud around you. Um, heedfulness is critical. Um, Mara was called kinsman of the heedless by Gautama. Kinsman of the heedless and uh, 3D repeaters are 3D repeating because they're heedless, meaning care careless. They don't heed what needs to be attended to, what needs to be, what, what one needs to pay strong attention to. Concentration controls distraction. Distraction is um, this sort of um, foggy uh, monkey mind. Somebody sent me an email about this 
foggy mind, monkey mind, uh, under the foggy maybe monkey. <laughs> it's a foggy monkey or a fog uh, temporarily clouding, uh, covering the monkey. And so after one gets out of um, this sort of what, 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 I don't know. I just was stuck like a two-by-four hit the head, foggy, stuck mine. Uh, one can get into excessive mental activity like the monkey mind. That's commonly called distraction or distractedness. Um, restlessness in mind, controlled here by concentration. And um, uh, distraction in a further development is simply useless thinking, meaning the degree to which we're thinking when we don't need to be, <laughs> like 70% of the time, perhaps. Much thinking is unnecessary. This could be, at a higher level, considered uh, another manifestation of distraction, meaning the mind is not concentrated because we're jumping around. It may not be monkey. It may be um, a little cat that turns in one direction and then licks the paw and then rolls over and does this, does that, the other thing. Uh, distracted mind is uncentered mind or um, not settled. It's obviously not equanimity. So that's the antidote to that either busy monkey or less busy um, creature <laughs> of mind that jumps around and 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 makes unnecessary thought. Uh, the antidote there was concentration, uh, which really begins with investigation or recognizing that we are um, quite uncentered or we're in restlessness and speediness. Finally, wisdom, discernment, or pradishnya, panya, controls ignorance. <laughs> At the end of the path, <laughs> vidya is replaced by vidya, or realization. Uh, along the way, um, knowing, more deep, deep knowing, uh, grows as we go along the way. And on the page, back to Indriya, and I'll end it on this, and we'll leave Padana Sutta and the four forms of right effort and the <laughs> look-through of the um, seven sets of enlightenment factors or factors that conduce to continued development on the path, leave this whole discussion of um, particularly the two latter forms of padana, what to develop, right? Positive qualities to be acquired and then acquired somewhat, uh, in a sense, it's not really acquiring, I know, is uh, what to be cultivated and developed further and refined over time. We'll end this that discussion today. Uh, the final point, and so go on to the next sutta next time. Uh, the indriya, the page on indriya, um, or the fa the powers of uh, indriya, mm, pancha indriya. Is talking about this balancing work, and the balancing again is moving from the second to the third form of um, moving from positions two and three of samapadana, right? From 
working with already arisen unwholesome conditions, so-called, moving to uh, drop them or move, uh, free ourselves, release ourselves from those unhelpful ways of mind or mind-body by acquiring or developing in the moment not yet arisen positive faculties and powers and, and wholesome qualities of mind. And so the balancing is a movement from moving out of the unhelpful arisen to the helpful uh, acquiring, we could call it. And so, um, very briefly, it's saying that um, Vishuddhi Maga, right, this is, we're using a lot of that, and other post-canonical Pali commentaries, right, Abhidhamma, caution against one spiritual faculty overpowering and inhibiting the other four faculties, thus generally recommend modifying the overpowering faculty with the investigation of states or development of tranquility. That's very much about working with um, low energy and high energy or deficient and excessive mind-body conditions. But it's the same um, listing of five qualities and how they have a balancing function. Uh, faith and understanding is the first. You can see this just goes on and on and on. I mean, <laughs> that's why there were 16,000 pages for Mingun Sayadaw to, uh, to memorize. Uh, for one strong in faith and weak in understanding, in this case, understanding is perhaps better called conviction. Uh, this one has confidence uncritically and ground and groundlessly. Their faith is strong, but their uh, experience-based conviction is weak. <laughs> then there's others, strong in understanding, and I would call it conviction, but weak in faith, errors on the side of cunning, and is as hard to cure as one sick of a disease caused by medicine. So that's... Um, sort of uh, diseases uh, associated with spiritual attainment. Uh, too much conviction. One can become a crazy dogmatist. <clears throat> so one has to be careful with that, or I should be, and some of us should be. When one has <laughs> what one imagines or believes to be a conviction based on experience, one should not be um, uh, too rough about it. Then the uh, second... Idleness overpowers one strong in concentration and weak in energy, since concentration favors idleness. And so that's the difference between uh, shamatha and vipassana, or the tendencies of samadhi concentration, versus um, vipassana and insight, but particularly mindfulness um, watching, watching process. Um, those of us who love uh, concentration uh, favor idleness. <laughs> we don't like to work. We like to just sit. And that's associated with concentra over an, an excess on the side of concentration. Then there's excess on the side of mindfulness or, uh, or vipassana. Uh, here it says, um, agitation overpowers one strong in energy and weak in concentration since energy favors agitation. <laughs> so... If one is strong in energy, which is very much more associated with um, clarity, uh, non-grasping clarity in the moment, uh, going from point to point even, right? Not holding anything uh, such as concentration. Uh, one can get stuck in agitation. 
<laughs> so those that are very energetic can get to excessively energetic, which goes called which is called agitation. And so um, this is all very high level. Concentration coupled with energy cannot lapse into idleness, meaning um, for <laughs> when there's centered concentration, yet one keeps a certain energetic level, one won't fall into idleness or sloth and torpor. Then, when one is of energy or mindfulness and kind of um, uh, ready for anything, <laughs> the vigilant, attentive mind, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, energy coupled with concentration can't lapse into agitation or this sort of monkey-mindedness or excessive mind-body condition. <laughs> and absorption comes with the balancing of the two. Very subtle. Meaning jhana comes from some balancing of energy and concentration. Mm. Then there's a saying, one working on concentration needs strong faith. Since it's with such faith and confidence that he reaches absorption, you have to have faith that you won't die to throw one's apparent sense of self into the object of concentration or attend. Now we're not talking about uh, Vipassana here, we're talking about jhana, concentration leading to jhana. To get to jhana absorption, one has to have faith that one has to get beyond uh, annihilatory dread, basically, at one level, and some fear. With uh, faith gets beyond the fear and confidence as well that we one can reach absorption. That's just a <laughs> fine point. And then finally, the balancing of concentration and understanding. This is uh, this understanding is <laughs> actually prajna, and so it's not quite concentration and understanding. One working on concentration needs strong unification, since that's how he reaches absorption. One working on insight. So here we have shamatha versus vipassana. One working on insight needs strong understanding or wisdom, actually since that's how he reaches the penetration of characteristics. Mm. That's, the that's the heart, as far as I can tell, that's the heart of Vipassana. Realization or penetration of characteristics. What characteristics? The three marks. The three marks. That's the point. The three marks, Anicca Dukkha, is, are, are the characteristics or the qualities that can be penetrated and known in insight. And when you really, really know that on on any um, object of attention uh, or mindfulness, uh, with that knowing comes a greater release and final release. That's the point. And so, shamatha that leads or that lead, that is of concentration samadhi that leads to jhana is useful and supports vipassana or insight that leads to uh, penetration of characteristics or knowing the three marks uh, in all conditioned experience, particularly mind states, <laughs> if you get what I mean. So, uh, and finally, Buddhaghosha, who wrote Vishuddhimagga, which is the key text in Buddhist Abhidhamma, said, strong mindfulness, however, right, sati, is needed in all instances for mindfulness protects the mind lapsing into agitation through faith on energy and understanding 
it's really prajna. So mindfulness protects the mind from going into agitation or excessive mind-body states through faith or knowing, right, conviction, faith, belief, conviction, and energy or persistence and prajna, which is, I think, wisdom, not understanding, but deep knowing of what is and the path and the way of transformation or the way of working with the four forms of effort, the samapadana, right? Those four right exertions, uh, the wisdom of knowing how that's done. Uh, And then mindfulness uh, protects us from going into excessive or um, overly agitated mind-body states and also lapsing into low energy or deflated, deficient mind-body states called idleness through concentration, um, so which favors idleness. <laughs> lapsing into idleness through concentration, which favors idleness. That's, I think, a mistake. It's uh, lapsing into idleness through concentration. Um, while concentration favors idleness, uh, one needs enough energy or mindfulness to not get stuck in concentration. So anyway, um, it's a little ragged here, but um, you can look more deeply, I'd recommend, at these five faculties or powers to see how they are useful in balancing and uh, how they also associate with the entirety of the path. And the development of these faculties or powers uh, is at the heart of um, all the four forms of samapadana, or right effort. In, in a way, to be able to make right effort, we need to develop these five faculties. And the heart of them is mindfulness. And so we've got four plus mindfulness, just like the seven enlightenment factors, we've got three and three plus mindfulness. Three plus three plus one is seven. Mindfulness in the middle. Mindfulness is that basic attentiveness and awareness without grasping an aversion or without making a complicated narrative or uh, suppressing and hating. Without getting stuck on those two, grasping an aversion or making a big deal out of versus rejecting or or hating like distortion right rather than making a big deal out of my distortion or my mental process mental emotional process rather than hating it or suppressing it let me just see it and then uh, apply uh, the ways of uh, working uh, the ways of working to a greater balance and so this is a buddhist healing and balance we could say and the key to it all is mindfulness. And critical to mindfulness is knowing uh, meditation. We're doing anapanasati, where one's mind in a very uh, protected environment of sitting quietly with no phenomena um, flying around us, uh, we learn the ways of sati um, by focusing on uh, mindfulness of mind, particularly, but uh, mindfulness of breath, 
and uh, mind-body process sitting there. Uh, then when we get up, that mind can apply in daily life very well, and particularly apply to mind-body when we find ourselves caught in distortion, and then make some balancing. So anyway, there's much more to say, but I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> we went long today, but that's okay. So uh, therein concludes a long uh, commentary on Padana Sutta and Samapadana, and I hope it was helpful for you. Next time we get to the next sutta, which is a whole lot simpler. Uh, let me see if I can find it on the fly. <coughs> Subhasita Sutta, called Well Spoken. Four characteristics of well spoken speech. A very short sutta, very simple, um, focused on, you know, samavacca, or right speech. One of the ten, or one of the um, oh, one of the uh, eightfold noble path, critical uh, right speech. Uh, so I hope this was useful. <laughs> Thank you for bearing with it. Um, take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night. <laughs>